All right, so I'd like to welcome my guest in the studio, Mr. Jason Patera. He is the regional manager of Supreme Lending here in Corpus Christi, kind of South Texas. And you guys have branches up in Houston too, right? Yeah, Houston, San Antonio, all around, but uh, that's kind of my area. Yeah. South Texas. South Texas. So you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, 16 years now. Yeah. Long time. So what we're going to try to do today is kind of shed some light on the mortgage industry, real estate, uh, answer some general questions, and then kind of talk some specifics about our area and then kind of see where it goes from there. But the, I know with the COVID-19 thing going on, the unemployment numbers going crazy, people are a little bit worried about what's going on with the economy in general. However, there's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't really know, and that's the banking world. And that's kind of what you're... That's your expertise, yeah, and that's what that's what, that's what, and that's what affects you on a daily basis too. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of changes, and and you're going to start, especially the people in the industry, they're going to start seeing a lot of these. Hey, this lender's not doing this anymore. My loan can't close. Um, I just had a talk today. We're we're actually in the middle of um, our due diligence on buying another couple billion dollar bank as Supreme Lending. Oh is. wow! Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they're doing is their due diligence period, but. Um, that's just one of many. They're expecting 10% of banks are going to go out of business in the next yeah. 30, 60, 90 days. We don't know. Kind of similar to what we saw in 08 when the, the, yeah. the small banks got... Uh, got it definitely got, uh, feels that way. Got, got uh, gobbled up by the big ones. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, going through 08, 07, 08, that was a time when banks were, they were lending on crazy things. They they weren't yeah. supposed to be doing the kind of stuff that was being done back in 03, 04, 05 when basically didn't need a job. All you needed was yeah, a good credit score. Yeah, the old score. ninja loan, <laughs> no job, no income, no assets. So we're, I don't think we're as bad as that is, but some people are saying it's equivalent just on a different spectrum. Yeah. Um, right now it's liquidity. Um, yeah, so that's the bank's cash flow or their ability to have cash to lend, right? Yeah, exactly. So so what a lot of people don't understand is there's, I don't know how deep you want to get no, into it's just Yeah, we explain how the system works because, I mean, I, I've been in banking and I kind of saw it, but we got into real estate. It's like, okay, there's the first market, which is your mortgage company. Then you have secondary and tertiary markets. And you're like, okay, you lost me. And <laughs> so, I had to go learn that myself. And I don't think the general public even know that, knows that exists. Yeah. So so the way, the way how the industry works as a whole is I was going to look up the stat, but I'm going to guess that it's around 50% of the top 20 lenders that close mortgage loans today are non-depository banks. What does that mean? We don't we don't hold banking accounts for customers. Right. So you're not open to the general public just for purposes right. of, of commercial and residential. Right. Loans. And and I think I was just looking at another stat today that seven trillion of the current mortgage loans outstanding that are being serviced, half of that amount is held by non non depository banks, non bank lenders. And so what does that mean? We they're basically buying a product or a loan that we as a lender, so let's just say Supreme Lending is a mortgage banker. Um, we're not an FDIC insured bank, um, top 20 retail in the nation. But what that means is when we bring in a loan, we want to make sure we have a buyer for it. So we want to make sure we can sell it to Wells, Chase, Bank of America, Penny Mac, Cooper, Mr. Cooper. There's yeah. a lot of different ones. <laughs> Mr. Cooper, yeah, that's right. That's one of them. One Fifth of the third national bank is one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what we do is we get warehouse capacity based on our assets to let's, I don't know what the new quota is, but let's say we have a million dollars in assets that will allow us to fund 10 million, 20 million in loans because we have warehouse capacity from yeah. other lenders. Yeah, th so that's one of the weird things about banking. And when I first got went to work for Frost, it was learning that a bank can have a million dollars in deposits that they loan against, but 
but they can loan four to ten times that amount, mm-hmm. which is why it's like a house of cards on some level. It's like there's no, it, I don't know exactly know how that works, but somebody does. <laughs> somebody does. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, that's one of the things the Fed just lifted whenever they dropped the Fed fund rate to zero. Right. Uh, for short-term lending and depository banks. They also lifted what was put in place in 0708, the Dodd-Frank mm-hmm. Act. They they implemented a 10% reserve requirement. Right, right. So you had to have yeah. 10% of your total loan balance. Right. So, so if you lend out, lend out a million dollars, you're supposed to have 100000 kept aside as a reserve. In cash. Well, they just lifted that. Yeah. Talk about going back to 08. Yeah, and, and which opens up basically the banks can lend as much money as they as they can get customers. And the Federal Reserve is kind of saying, "We'll got your back." Exactly. If, if you if that person defaults, and you we're not going to let you go under. So, kind of put it back in the kind of layman's terms. I'm a customer. I get a customer that wants to come buy a house with me. I get him hooked up with your team. Uh, you guys originate loans, and they go buy a two hundred thousand dollar house mm-hmm. and put ten percent down. So it's a hundred and eighty thousand dollar loan. That hundred eighty thousand dollar loan gets sold to another bank, right? Correct. So we'll we'll sell it on the secondary market. Secondary market's a big term that mortgage lenders use. And the biggest aggregator, or biggest buyer of, of loans today is Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny. Right, which are quasi-government. Yeah, so Fannie, Freddie are government-sponsored. Yeah. And Jenny is government-wholly-owned. Okay, okay, that's the difference. That it, yeah, so back in 07, 08. So you guys take say let's just say if each 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 loan was like an apple you guys go sell you know pick the apple off the tree put it in a, in a bushel each loan is an apple and you, you got a hundred lo- app you know apples in a, in a bushel and then you sell the bushel to somebody right you're not selling individual loans you're selling packages of loans packages right? yeah yeah and so the biggest change that's happened today and why we're seeing lenders scramble and raise credit scores and we'll talk a little bit about yeah, that because that's what's the change right now yeah so that's one of the biggest things we wanted to cover today is is why are credit scores going up so the the biggest the best bang for the buck for a lender is we'll fund that hundred eighty thousand dollar loan you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. but then we'll take that and a hundred others similar product that we know can be sold on the secondary market, and then we'll go sell it off to, to Mr. Cooper or whoever the lender is, right? We'll just say lender A, B, C. Right. And usually it depends on what premium they're paying for that servicing value. Right. Um, or we keep it and service it as a lender, but what we do is we sell it to Fannie, Freddie, which are your conventional products, or Jenny, which is the government. Mm-hmm. And so they pay it. us a smaller for percentage up front, um, for us to service alone and then make somewhere around 30 to 40 bips is what I always hear as an annual servicing premium. Yeah. So, oh, so you get, so you guys sell the loan to them and then get paid. Yeah. So if we sell to Fannie, Freddie or Jenny, it's a smaller percentage now. But you get the management fee of collecting. But you get a management fee. And we collect, and it's, so what you'll see is some clients don't know right now. Well, who's, Wells Fargo owns my loan. Probably not. Um, just generally speaking, it, you may send your payment to Wells Fargo, but Fannie really owns it. Yes, and they just service it. They service oh, it on geez, the back. I, didn't, I never even comp- thought about that. I knew, like, uh, one of our rental properties was a company called Greenlight. Well, I, it was Greenlight. I don't even know who it is now. I just pay my loan cares when I go .com and I pay the loan. <laughs> but it, it's switched servicing companies every couple of years, and I don't even know who owns the loan. Yeah, it's tough. And and it gets sold a lot. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's to free up cash to get money because you can take a premium now um, versus holding on to that loan for long term. So going back to, to what most lenders do today um, is we, let's say we as a lender 
you know, have X amount of dollars, we can we can get half of the value by selling to Fannie, Freddie, Jenny, and then make up that money over time. Or we could sell to a group of investors or a big other other depository banks to get a bigger sum right now, and we're done with the loan. We wash right, our hands. Yeah. So it's we're all done. that time value of money thing that you yeah. kind of slept through in high school. <laughs> and with the volatility today, nobody knows what the servicing values are. So what we've seen, this has been the biggest change, is we've seen all the big aggregate lenders that, that were buying those loans for servicing and paying us all our money now back out and said, we don't want that pull of money. We don't want that pull of loans, excuse right. me. Right. And I guess the funny thing is back in 08, 09, it was the loans themselves became bad. Right now on what we're seeing, it's not necessarily the loans that are bad uh, or risky. It's the whole economy that's risky. And so what I've, been, I've heard is uh, Lawrence Yon, uh, the guy from uh, Chief Economist for NAR, is that his? Hmm. Lawrence Yon. He basically said this is going to be different than 0809 because we're not going to see a housing crash based on the loans going bad we're going to see a definite slowdown in risk taking by the banks mm-hmm. so it's the, it's housing value should stay stable is what they're kind of anticipating in some markets hopefully, hopefully. yeah it just depends how, how long but again housing prices are only good based on if somebody's ability to get money to purchase it right yeah and if loans went away then Cash, you know, cash or high risk loans becomes it. The affordability is going to go down because rates yeah. will go up. So, uh, and what I would probably look at if I were out there, if I was either a buyer looking to buy a house, I was already pre-approved, or I was a real estate professional, is have have you gone and talked to your lenders? Have they seen any changes based on what they originally assessed the yeah. the, the approval at? And uh, one of the biggest things, since we don't have that aggregate of, of investors buying the loans. And they've all said, hey, we don't want to buy anything under 620, anything under 640, anything under. We've seen lenders. I wrote down a couple of lists for you today. Uh, Chase, just this weekend, just said, um, I probably shouldn't list names. So lender A, Chase, we'll yeah, say fine. since I already released that one. Public information. <laughs> yeah, you could go look it up. They just raised their credit score to 700. Yeah. They want 20% down, 700 credit score. Right. So they're trying to say, hey, we're, we're not going to take risk. We're going to be A paper. Yeah. And it's because it's, it's their capital that's at risk. It's their they borrow against it. And, I mean, it's so uncertain for them to get paid back, I guess is the thing. So when somebody says the credit score requirements aren't, so somebody comes to you to get a loan in your office, the credit score is not set by you as Supreme Lending unless you're selling your own money. So we'd look at the pool of investors out there and we say, okay, what are investors buying? And then we look at our, we're direct endorsed Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny Lender. Um, Jenny, for an example, you have to have two and a half million net worth plus everything you sell to them. You have to 35 bips, which is also 0.35 percent mm-hmm. of the loan amount for any outstanding loans you're being serviced on their behalf. Okay. So what a lot of lenders we're we're fortunate that we have Fannie, Freddie, Jenny endorsements because if we get in a bind and we don't have an investor to buy the loan, we can sell directly to Jenny. We can sell directly to Fannie. Oh right. So it they just say pays us less money now, but at least gets the loan off our warehouse lines. Right. So, which frees up more because you only have say ten million dollars to lend or hundred million, whatever the size of your bank is, and once you hit that, if you can't find someone else to take that off, 
you know, you're, you're not even refinancing the debt, you're selling the debt. Right. Because you guys are in the business of selling money. Yeah, so it's fun to warehouse lines sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, and that's how a lot of guys operate. And we're, we're hearing, if I'm on a lot of forums, a lot of lenders, I could probably tell you every lender in town where they're at. Yeah. Uh, we won't go into names. We right, yeah. Do. But but basically, locally, 620, I, I think 640 to 680 has been an average new credit score increase for all government deals. And the reason is, is none of the investors want to buy them. They're uncertain on who's going to make their payments. And here's the number one thing. If you close a government loan, as a lender, we follow FHA, VA, USDA rules, and we have a guaranteed buyer, as Supreme Lending does, we'll go to Jenny, mm-hmm. or whoever's endorsed to sell to Jenny does, but we're on the hook for any loan payments they don't make. Yeah, which is for the first year, right? For the first six months is my understanding. Okay, wow, Jesus. So, so you think about it, you close, I mean, we had a, I mean, we closed a billion dollars last month. One billion in fundings for one month. It was a, it was a record for our company. What Holy do you think? Cow. What I mean, locally, I can tell you we're about fifty five percent govy locally. Yeah. So if you're closing fifty five percent of your book of business is government business, and we don't have an end investor that will buy it, we're going to go sell to Jenny. We're going to take less money up front, and then we're on the hook for any peop- any of the borrowers that don't want to make their payment, which leads us to probably our next point is the forbearance talk that's going on. Right. Yeah. So it, you know, so the initial thing that people need to know is like the mortgage business is based on kind of a JG and Wentworth type system. <laughs> you know, it was at eight, seven, seven, need cash. Now <laughs> is the banks are loaning money out and then they find someone that says, Hey, you got structured long-term payments. We will buy those structured long-term payments, all these giant mortgages, take them off your books so you can go sell more and we can come back and buy more. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, they're making money off of, the hope that you're going to pay, the promise. That's why it's called a promissory note. Mm-hmm. I promise I will pay this note. Yeah. They don't want your house. No, no. Yeah, and, and that's the thing we got to realize is, oh, banks are greedy. They want to steal my house. That bank, the last thing the bank ever wants is to take your house from you, which is why they have programs like forbearance, uh, restructured payments, and all these terms that are getting thrown around. This is one of the things I wanted to clear up for the general public, that are out, even people in the industry, because I, I, what's driving me nuts right now is, the realtors and loan officers out there throwing stuff on social media that don't necessarily know exactly what they're saying. Yeah. They just kind of say, Hey, go talk to your bank and talk about skip payments or forbearances and all these things without giving proper information behind it. So I was like, we get somebody who knows what this is and kind of talk about that. So what's, what's right now, somebody can't make their mortgage payments because of COVID-19 they're furloughed, they're off of work. What are their options? So, so it's the CARE Act, I believe is what they called right. it. Um, there's an article, maybe you can post it on the page uh, with the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They've already done a, um, an article on this. They give you a little bit of advice. We'll try to post it here on the, mm-hmm. on the, the recording. But um, the, the number one thing is it is you just have to say that you're affected by this. But let's talk about what that really means. There's not a lot of proof needed to prove that you're really being affected. No, same thing for the SBA loans. It's yeah. like, hey, just, I'm here, I'm alive, <laughs> I'm in business for yeah, now. Exactly, but but what does this mean? So for the average forbearance as it stands right now means that you'll go, you can go up to six months is what they're talking about this. And I think there was even some talk about maybe extending another six months. But as it stands today, once that three month period is up, that once that six month period is up, the forbearance doesn't forgive. It, it is just delaying the payment. 
And so there's there there might be some lenders that go ahead and tack it onto the end, but uh, we've seen some some uh, proposals so far that actually. Let's say you went three months for forbearance on month four, you owe the three months plus the four. Right, months. and that that was that was a big thing that happened after, after Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Rita, all these different hurricanes where people say, "Hey, you basically can skip your payments for a month or two, but at the end of that period, say it's three months, is the number that's going around a lot. So that would be, hey, you don't have to pay May, June, July, but in August you're due four payments. Yeah. And people, so, I don't think people realize people, this. So anything you do with your mortgage company, you have to get in writing and you have to understand it because there's – forbearance, can, from what I understand, it can be used multiple ways. It basically just means that we're going to deal with the current payment structure right now. and But there are some options where you can get it tacked on to where your loan basically slides. And so if you had 100 months left on your loan, you would have 103 mm-hmm. months. They still collect the interest for the three months you're skipping (laughs) yeah, because you still owe it, right? but you don't have to pay till the very end. And so that is something that you have to be completely a hundred percent understanding with your bank to make sure that in four months you're not due all these payments and then you get foreclosed on. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing that the, our, our country's going trillions in debt after this is all said and done. If you can make your payment, my recommendation is make your payment. Make your payment, yeah. Yeah, make it. Um, number two, here's the other thing that nobody's talked about very much, is all of the rules for standard loans today, VA, FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, all the conventional products, um, Jumbo's essentially gone at this point in time. Yeah, Jumbo's, and it's market to market, but it's the highest in top 10% of loans in the market. Yeah, it's like uh, anything financed over... F- Five ten nine hundred. Okay, believe. it's yeah. like five ten and some change. Yeah, then you get to some markets. I think it's seven. Then it's something. a private banking market. It's not. It's not Fannie Freddie conforming. So yeah, the government those, basically says if you're, we're not going to back a rich loan. <laughs> yeah, and we we had like we'll get off topic, but uh, we had like ten or twelve investors that we would close fund the jumbo loans, and we had their guarantee that they would buy it from us. We're down to four. Jeez. <laughs> There's already, um, we just had a talk where we had a, some of these out-of-the-box loan products just a few weeks ago. We closed a ton of them. The lender said, we're solid. We're still doing business. We're still buying loans. We closed $15 million in loans that were supposed to be delivered to one particular bank. And they said, oh, we're not buying anymore. Now we either have to hold them, which uses liquidity, right, <laughs> to pay off our warehouse lines, or, and then we have, to, we have to take that hit on our books. Yeah, or find another investor that's going to pay yeah. a lot different rate. To say, okay, well, usually yeah. make two points now, or one point, or you're we'll going to make buy a half it for eighty cents on the dollar. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to an agent the other day. We went to go look at one of his houses. I was like, hey, it came, just came back in the market. It sold in the first week. Was three weeks pending. Then it went right back in the market. I said, what happened? He said the lender pulled the loan, not because of the client, but because they couldn't sell it. Oh, wow. That was the first one I've heard of that. And, wow. And I, they found some reasoning within the buyer's yeah, yeah. <laughs> structure. <laughs> but something. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's been quite quite crazy. You know, we had several last week where the employees getting furloughed. Well, that changes. Their, so furloughed doesn't mean unemployed, but for a verification of employment, what you guys do. It's is, tough. It's tough because it's like, are they working or are they not working? Yeah, and that's that's a big thing. And so... I guess before we go too much into the furlough piece, yeah. which is also an important piece right now, something that we're trying to keep our – we're seeing changes daily. And a lot of this comes from the agencies or it comes from the investors of what they accept and what they won't accept. Yeah. But going back real quick to the mm-hmm. to the um, 
the forbearance. So one of the things that's not talked about right now is you actually, if you, all of the lenders' rules and investors' rule, VA, FHA, conventional, et cetera, they say that we have to verify your last mortgage payment. Well, there's nothing in current guidelines or rules that say what happens if you're in a forbearance. So, so what I mean by this is we're going to your credit report and we see, well, the last reported payment or activity on this report was April, and we're now trying to close a new house in July. Oh, right. We don't show any. We have to go and prove that the last three months of payment have been made. Right. Okay. And yeah. if not, black and white in the rule book today, that says you're late. Yeah. Yeah. Which which puts a ding on your credit, puts a ding on your Possibly. Ability, on your ability to um, to qualify. Qualify. Yeah. Yeah. And we but, don't know when that's going to change. Yeah. Actually, that's something I think about is like if you're currently selling a house and buying a house, you do not do any of this stuff. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do for forbearance. Don't no. do repayment structuring. Don't refinance your loan. Don't do any of that stuff unless you really have to, but you're going to kill your future purchase. Yeah. And I had a friend say that the other day. He said, Jason, I'm going to, I think rates are going to come down lower. Well, f- I don't see how much lower they can really get. We're at like new 50 year lows or something. Yeah. Cause like they that. spiked. They were at three low threes, went back to four, three weeks ago when this all started. And then yeah. kind of back down to low threes. Right. I mean, remember, I don't know if you know this, Joseph, but, uh, if you look at since, this was at least as of a month ago, if you look since they've been tracking mortgage rates, uh, I think it was since the early 70s, the average interest rate since they've been tracking it is 8%. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. When I first got into business, it was 6 yeah. and people were loving it. And that was 2001 when I started working for yeah. uh, Now we're spoiled because you're not hearing twos. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think, I mean, anything in the fours, like, is great. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Anything, oh, yeah. I, I so I still consider anything six and under is like Great. you're loving it because that's kind of the whole you know that's where you kind of get that well whatever a hundred thousand you spend that's one dollar is your payment so a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> house one thousand dollar payment that's kind of the old rule that was six dollars six percent interest and i actually was just telling someone this so i've been uh, i've owned a lot of different houses uh and i have never had a rate in the threes until two weeks ago three weeks ago Oh, right. I just refinanced my oh, house good, good for you. and finally got something into the low threes. And I've been in the business for 16 years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm like, I was looking at refinancing mine the other day and it's like, like, you got to do the math. And I went and I waited too long oh, and yeah. it was threes and I waited a week and that's when kind of rates spiked back up. And I was like, okay, I got to call, call his team <laughs> back next week and try to figure yeah, out if it's down good. below three. So we're at like four, three. So I, I kind of look at the refi thing is like, if, if I'm not saving a full percent, you got to weigh the cost on it. Yeah, I would agree. So we've seen the rule of thumb is probably a hundred and seventy-five to two hundred thousand. If you owe that or more, you want to save at least one percent. And if you owe under that one seventy-five number, you really want to get one and a half to two percent savings. Oh, right, right. So if you're at a six percent now, you need to get down to a four. Yeah, I was, so I'm a, a big Dave Ramsey guy, and so a lot of times he's saying, "Hey, look, if you can go from a thirty to a fifteen, keep your payment very similar." you're going to knock that thing out faster. It's a really good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you may not be saving your interest rate, may not be saving you a lot of cash every month, but if you can shave the term, imagine going from having 28 years left on a mortgage, refinancing to 15, you just took half of your lifespan off your loan, basically. And your rate's fairly similar. So 
We had a client that we closed about a year and a half ago, and I will tell you that I've talked more people out of refinancing than into refinancing. I can see that. Uh, just, hey, that doesn't make sense. I could tell you how much money you'll save in 30 years, but the average right now is 10 years. Yeah. That's how long someone's going to be Oh, right. So just be a real side note on that. So if you're saving, this is the, the repayment rate um, that you can look at. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Got a refill. Uh, if, if you're saving $150, say $100 a month for easy math, and the cost. it costs $5,000. It's going to take 50 months for you to re, repay that that loan. But if you're only saving, I had somebody actually I talked about the other day too. They were going to save about 60 bucks. Oh, yeah. I and it was going to cost about 5000 I said, well, you're not even going to, you know, you're not going to be in that house long enough to save that. And so we did. Then I talked to somebody else about selling their house. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, because they're like, hey, we want to sell our house and then go buy something cheaper and have a lower payment. I said, well, what? What's your rate? And they're like five. I was like, go refinance your house, and they say they did and saved two hundred and fifty bucks a month or something off their payment. And they're like, oh, thanks. And I'm like, yeah, okay, just refer me because, you know, I cost myself a commission on a sale and a purchase, but for the for them, it made no sense to move. Yeah. If the only reason they were doing it was to save rates. So, You're like me. You believe in karma. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it really comes back to to, to bite you if you, you just you just do it for the commissions and. Of course, you guys are in our 100% commission-based world, too. Oh, yeah. So here's, here's to kind of get on the business owner side of things. Jason and I are both in the in the position, though, of being 100% commissioned. We're not necessarily 100% like the, this whole change with COVID and all that's affecting us a little bit. And we're not, you know, we're not having to pay out a bunch of, well, you have salaried employees, too. Some, yes. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing about being 100% commissioned is yeah we make we can make a lot more money but when things are low like this we're still a hundred percent on hook for the bills <laughs> oh yeah, yeah this this electricity still has to yeah stay on, right? the electricity they see all the, the rent you know we're not I, I i was thinking can i go to my landlord <laughs> you know our corporate office called us and said hey do you need help uh, trying to uh prolong your rental payments and i'm like no we're good they're like i figured so but we're yeah. at least trying to ask everyone yeah we're you know there's a lot of that going on yeah well, that's the part that nobody's really, you don't put out. It's because it's not sexy is for the news to talk about all the small businesses. It's the commercial real estate side of things, mm-hmm. which, you know, all these guys who are closed aren't going to be able to make their payments on the landlord. So that so we'll get kind of back into some of this, the detailed loan stuff here in a second. But one of the questions that's coming up that's been all over the news is, hey, you don't have to make your rent payments. Oh yeah, fun. fun yeah, too, yeah. Right? That's a oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I don't pay your rent. Well, you know, if you you don't pay your rent, your landlord can't make his payments. Yeah, the bank still want to get paid. The bank still needs their payment, and if he gets foreclosed on, you have no place to live. Right. He may not be able to evict you for sixty to ninety days. The banks on not every bank foreclosure has been stalled right, right now. <laughs> is my understanding right? Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. I think it's just the federal government ones, right? Just the government. So Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny, are, those are the only guys right now that have to consider your uh, forbearance. Right. If you request it. Yeah. So the, com- the the conventional loans are the ones not backed by government. Yeah. So some conventional will be backed by Fannie, Freddie. But um, I've heard, a st- I haven't seen the recent stat, maybe 68% of all loans are Fannie, Freddie owned. Right. So which means 32% of the loans out there are private banks. Yeah. They can do what they want. Yeah. They don't and have so, to oblige. Yeah, if, if the government was going to do anything to really help everybody out, it would be we need to help those banks as well and make sure that every, if the bank's going to get the money, they need to help the 
consumer and say, hey, yeah. you don't have to make if you don't have to make your payment because we got the money from the government. Yeah, I mean, none of this stops. I mean, we still have monthly taxes. We still have. Okay. I mean, I have some rental properties. It's you. <laughs> The taxes continue, the insurance continues, and the bank still wants their interest. They may prolong it if you request it, but it's still required. Right, yeah. So, so nothing's free. Yeah, and, and the vast majority of commercial real estate or rental real estate in the country, and I, I, need, I don't know a stat on this, but based on my experience here just locally, even small apartment complexes are owned by individuals, not large corporations. Yeah. You get to like Houston and Dallas, these giant, or these giant apartment complexes may be in, uh, owned, but then those are technically tend to be owned by people's 401ks or people's retirement plans or the real estate funds. Yeah. So it's, so make your mortgage payments and make your rent payments if you can. Yeah. If you're, and I, we were saying uh, a friend of mine, he talked about refinancing and he said, well, I think I'm going to take this forbearance and then I'll come back to you and refinance. And I'm like, the way it sits right now, I don't think you can do that. Cause if you take the forbearance, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you can't, you can't refinance because it looks like you've been late on your mortgage or you haven't made right. the payment. Yeah, until I guess until there's some legislation that says, hey, yeah. this can't be reported this way or this. <laughs> but if it's any of the government products, you could wait a year or two till that goes into place. So right. if you're thinking about buying or refinancing and you have a loan currently, don't. I would highly recommend don't go into forbearance unless that's the last option. Right. Yeah. So, so if if you if you if you have it, so this is the ultimate like Dave Ramsey uh, like. This is why you have an emergency plan. Yeah. This is the emergency um, that, that they talk about. It's not just your personal getting laid off, but we got everyone getting laid off. So, Yeah, I think we were just talking about this before we began, but um, there was a survey done in February of this year, um, just this year, 2020, and they said that, that like 62% of Americans uh, admitted to living paycheck to paycheck. And so we see a, ta- a time like this, and, you know, it's just, it's going to hurt a lot of people. And there's going to be a lot of catching up for this. And a lot of people that mean it's going to take them a lot longer to recover. So Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a crazy thing. 62%, well. 54, well, I found it. 54% okay. America. I think I saw another one that was 60%. Couldn't write a $1,000 check. That's today. it. Yeah. yeah, that's the, the other stat I've heard, too. It's like 60, 70% of people have less than $1,000 in the bank. And, and so maybe that's why these guys are like, just get 1000 in the bank and then you know, have a little nest egg. Yeah, for sure. I, I think from an economic standpoint, this may be a real wake up call for a lot of people to say, crap, I've been bad with money. Yeah. I'm living in too much house. And, you know, as a realtor, you know, in the loan officer, it's like, Hey, you know, we get paid commission based on the big dollar, months. but big months, slow months, right? Yeah. You know, how a sales is for me is sales sale, whether it's 50,000 or 500,000, it's about the number of people we can help. But like I've talked people out of buying a big house before. I'm like, dude, do you really want to be on hook for a four thousand dollar a month mortgage? Yeah. When you only make nine you know, twelve thousand dollars a month as a family. <laughs> it's like you're <laughs> right at that debt limit of does it make sense? Yeah. If you have no other payments and you're really good with money and really that, great. Or maybe a twenty five hundred dollar a month payment or Fifteen hundred. You know, it's really interesting to see like some people just like, no, I want the, I want to max out everything I can get and have the show house. Yeah. 
You know, there's something that uh, actually one of the coaching programs I followed for a long, long time. Uh, I know you do some coaching yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, all the guys that have made it through the tough times and the hard times usually get need some kind of accountability. Um, and and one of the things that I just remind myself of daily, and I try to remind our loan officers about, is it doesn't matter what you make; <laughs> it matters what you save. Yeah, yeah. What you keep, what you what you yeah. what you have left. You in the spend bank. it all; it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and, and on. The respect, uh, kind of getting back, uh, well, back to the big house thing, though. I remember Brian Buffini once said, he said, hey, you know, you, you, you can live in a good house. He says, and when, and when times like this come and high-end real estate goes down, this is the time to go buy yeah. the big house. If you've been like, the people that have saved and waited are like, this is the time to go act and go, and go pounce because high-end real estate is, I don't know, what, what do you, would you consider high-end real estate in Corpus? Well, we were so so. One of the stats that I pulled today was the median uh, home price. This was a report that I have access to. You you have more access than I do to some of these reports. But uh, the median home price was two two oh four rounded up. Yeah, yeah, and and like the south side average is like two fifteen, two nineteen. So we're right there. Yeah. So uh, you know, we probably yeah finance right around that number. Our average is probably a little less. We do a lot of first time home buyers. Yeah. We're, you know, we're equipped for second, third, fourth home buyers. But, uh, you know, what's high end? I think anything over that price point. Yeah. I kind of say, like, uh, my old franchise we were with, it was the top 10% of the market. So we pretty much, we could we could only put our luxury sign in that. So I pretty much said anything 350 and over. Is high. Is I consider high end. Like, because if you look at sales in Corpus, 1% of the market is over half a million. Hmm. And so it's like, okay, so maybe anything over 300, so I would consider that high end. Yeah, I think we were talking about this earlier, 155,000 renters. Now, well, you know, the consensus, is it is it up yet? Do you know anything about the consensus? Mm-hmm. So they're they're doing the updated consensus numbers. Go go uh, fill out the forms if you're getting them in the mail. Oh, yeah. Because it'll help us with funding to get oh, a good right, yeah. population. Yeah, 2020 census.org. Yeah, because I think all the, all the consensus right now or all the population estimates are about 365, 375. Oh, yeah, for Corpus, and yeah. I think we're well above that. I actually I was looking up something this morning based on the size, just kind of a COVID thing. I was doing some research on population density. Yeah, that's what I do in my spare time. Because uh, <laughs> just to get some perspective, New York City has 8.2 million people that live inside 300 square miles. Wow. Corpus Christi has, I think it's 365 or 325,000 based on 2016 numbers that live in 504 square miles. And and the other one, New was, York, was, was what? 8 million and 302 square miles. Oh. Manhattan has 1.6 million people in 22 square miles. It's population density of like 76,000 per square mile. No wonder the virus is so yeah, bad. Yeah, and that's the thing. It was like, hey, they don't have room to spread. <laughs> They're all on top of each other. And, and, you know, that's that's more representative of, like, other cities and stuff. But we can, that's, that's uh, beyond this. But it, it's really interesting to kind of look at population density and where things are growing and all that. Uh, yeah, fill out those forms. So so you were saying earlier, what's what's changed with uh, going back to what are, what, are, what are the lenders struggling with today? Yeah, yeah. So furlough, I think that was one of the questions. Yeah, furlough, asked. yeah, and kind of what that what Thanks that for keeping for, up with us. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just what it bounced back and forth. So the, the the people that have been furloughed, so they can go get their unemployment. Um, furlough means you're currently not getting paid. You're not technically fired. You're employed without payment mm-hmm. or work to do. That's what I understand. Yeah, okay. That's that's my understanding too. Yeah, so, so my wife had to furlough her office. 
because dentists can't practice unless it's an emergency. Right. Oh, so that, uh, yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> that's another topic altogether. Yeah. But, um, so, so here's what we're challenged with today is, you know, you have the essential non-essential employees and we have the list, but how has that just cause you're essential doesn't mean businesses continued. So we have the struggle now with the lending world of appraisers don't want to go to houses to appraise houses. So we've seen some relaxation on, uh, on the rules, some some more seeing more drive-bys. Oh yeah, yeah. In this case, a drive-by is a good thing for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll go have... on the inside, just yeah. drive by it, take a picture, yeah. make sure it's still standing. We, we had one the other day that where the uh, bank said, "Hey, we just need a." Uh, they went off the tax appraisal. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was good enough, or the guy was putting enough down that it, the LTV was fine. But oh, I was nice. like, "Oh, that's interesting. That's a, that's a new thing." Yeah, and the good news about we were the, so worried about it not appraising. Yeah, the good news about the big guys is once the loan is gone, if the if the old purchase was put into Fannie system, Freddie system, they basically will pick it up and it'll say, mm-hmm. "Hey, um, drive by is acceptable." It takes that value and it. They have some kind of rhythm in their system that says, "We don't need to. We don't need to do the whole thing again." Oh, right, because they can look back at the old numbers and do like, exactly, uh, and it picks it up through the automated. Yeah, system. I've had to do some appraisals where there's no comparable sales. So when an appraiser goes out to look at a house, they're saying, "Hey, how much is this house worth to protect the bank?" protect the buyer and make sure the condition of it's good so that the buyer doesn't is not uh there's nothing that will negatively affect the value of the house is yeah. kind of how I explain or it. safety or safety yeah that broken safety. windows screens door locks stuff like that and i've had and so what they're doing what they do is they look for three comparable sales in the last 90 days within a square within a mile or three mile radius to One say preferred yeah yeah as close as possible to say what's the similar house been selling for i've had some where there's nothing there's no comparable sales. So they go back like a couple of years and do, uh, I've had to work on this. this is the nerd in me Alexis. It's like, okay, it's sold two years ago for a hundred grand. We did a allocation of based on the average price increase in that neighborhood for the last two years was 4% or 5% and then go from there. So I imagine they have some algorithms in their system that allows for that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's funny. One of the things we're uh, so you know the five year. We'll get off topic again. No, that's good. That's good. The the fifty nine year. I guess since some of these reports have been keeping track, appreciation is three point seven four percent. But if you look at the last five year appreciation in Corpus, we're seventeen point one one. Yes, seventeen point one one percent. That's incredible. And uh, so if you bought a house five years ago, it's gone up by seventeen percent. Yeah. Yeah. On that's average, good, good, invest, good investment. I mean, yes, yeah. I think it's going to continue to be in Corpus. I know. Uh, a lot of us are scared about this virus, something to be afraid of. Uh, stay safe. Don't do anything crazy. But I do think that once we figure out some kind of hopeful solution, yep. that uh, our economy is going to turn around very fast. Yeah, because I think, yeah, let's, let's kind of talk local market. I know you got a lot of stats there. So r- real estate, the, one of the beautiful things about investing in real estate, and I'm going to say the word investing because home purchasing is not always considered an investment. You talk to guys like Robert Kiyosaki, Gary Vaynerchuk, and these different you know guys that say, well, real estate is not an investment. Well, okay, I, I get what they're trying to sell with their products and stuff like that, but uh, and you know they're a lot smarter than me and a lot richer than me. <laughs> but <laughs> you and me both. Uh, but but the stats we do know that the average homeowner has wealth that's innumerable time. I think it's forty times that of a renter. Something, something tr- dramatic like that. So we can put buying a house into the, I like to call, I tell, like to tell everyone, every month you're making a payment, say it's $2,000, 
in Corpus, half of that goes to insurance and taxes. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, so out of that 2000, though, maybe four, 400 goes to interest and 600 goes to your principal. That $600 is basically a giant savings account. Yeah. And your bank, is, your, your house is a giant piggy bank that's for savings plan. You get the use of living there. You were to rent somewhere anyways. And so it's always a good investment in a market like ours where it's pretty stable. And you kind of look at that, you're getting what 17% interest over the last five years. Yeah. 17. Yeah. So, I mean, if, even if it's at 3.59 or what was that number? Three, three, seven, four yeah, three, over seven, the last four. 60 years, uh, that's, you're getting that interest. That's a lot more than banks are giving you. And, and then you talk about all the, all the families that don't save money. Well now, I mean, you find a way to pay your rent. You have to have a roof over your head. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. So like if you, if, 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 the people that are going to come out of this situation better where if the economy shuts down for, say, six months, if you have $70,000 in equity in your house and you can sell it, and even if you had to sell it short, you know, short of what the, the market value is, and you pulled out 50000 in cash, you're going to be in a much better position than that person who's renting who else, that works in the cubicle next to you and got fired. Oh, yeah. And so that's why homeownership is such a great, great thing. Um on top of when you retire, oh yeah, <laughs> getting yeah. the taxes down for being over sixty-five, and then hopefully at that point it's paid off. Yeah, exactly. That's like I'm trying to urge my parents to get their house paid off, but then I looked at it like seventy percent equity in her house right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, their payment's still based on it, but you know, the, the, yeah, the, but they can refinance it if they wanted to and and restructure that and do all these different things to help get their expenses down. But they're, they're like, hey, we can just we're we're seven years from paying it off or whatever it is. And they, it was like, just knock yeah, that good out for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh she, they've been in that house since 2006, seven, oh. no, five, no, 2005. They don't move much. No, no. Once they got set, it's like good. That's what, that's one of the interesting things too, is like people used to not move. <laughs> My friend, I have a good friend of mine. I drive down the street. His parents have been in that same house since he was like eight. And yeah, my 40. mom's still in the same house since I was two years old. Wow. Yeah. You don't hear that anymore. Like no. Americans move every seven years. Yeah. Which is good for us. Yeah. Buy another house. Yeah. So it, like, so it's back to the local market where I kind of was going with that safe bet is it's still cheaper to purchase in Corpus than rent is my understanding is, is what I, the numbers I'm looking at. Cause Especially with rates today, I would yeah. say that's back. So yeah. a friend of mine just bought a rental house. She didn't pay a premium, but she didn't get a deal. She got a good price. Uh, I think we bought it for 180. It's worth about 190. Her payments, she put 20% down. Her payments like 1300, 1250, or we just got rent for 1700. Oh wow! Yeah, you could buy it for cheaper. <laughs> yeah, and that person could have probably put three and a half percent down in the same house and have a 1500. dollars I will tell you one of the biggest things that gives me a laugh is when we have clients that say, Hey, I've been renting for 1500, but I want to buy a house and I only want to spend 1300. Oh yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, you, are you comfortable with the 1500? Yes. Well then why wouldn't you spend that kind of the same amount of money on something you will own? Yeah. And, and especially in that, in that price range. Um, so kind of speaking really local here is like, if you're at 175,000 in Corpus, but you go up to 200, complete change in house you go to 225 you've opened up a lot you go to 250 and you've mm -hmm. opened up the world and what i try to get people to realize is you're living in the payment not in the price so if we get you hooked up with jason and they give you 
you get a really good rate because you qualify for it. They, and we'll talk about, actually, we need to talk about mortgage bankers, kind of the difference between you guys and, and going to Wells Fargo directly or somebody mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you can you can open up and buy a much more house. And if you go from 1400 to 1500 you may have bought yourself $30,000 more in house. It's worth the extra $100 yeah. a month. So, so uh, what is the difference? You guys are mortgage brokers. Bankers. We well, bankers. So you sell your own, but okay, but you still have different investors. So similar concept. Brokers Brokers are literally the middleman. So, so they don't have any of their own money to sell. None of their own money. They're not underwriting. They have nothing to do with the process. They're literally placing your loan with the bank and hoping that they're going to get it jo- done. So you'll see who the strong wholesale lenders are right now. Okay, so, the, so that situation where the guy... They went to closing and the bank pulled a loan. That was more likely with a mortgage broker because there was no security that the loan was going to be made at all. Exactly. Okay. It's, not, it's not their so, company. It's not their reputation. They don't care. They're they're usually brokers are usually smaller guys mm-hmm. that are basically saying, "Hey, let me go look at the list of banks out there that's lending on this type of scenario. Let me shop it and see who's going to pay me the best and give the client the so best d- rate." So, you know, I was a, I was I did mortgages for six months. I didn't know that with the mortgage bank. Maybe back you in, told me before back in two thousand two. <laughs> was it? It was really interesting, and, and part of me regrets not staying in it. I, I think I would have been. I think right now it, it would be really interesting business to be in because um, I. Knowing what I know now, it's like th- that was I'm almost really good suited for that. But seeing how they get paid is is really interesting. It was like on the backside, based on what company's going <laughs> to yeah, yeah, based who's paying the most. So you guys but, lend your own money. So we 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 operate. I'd say we're like the best of both worlds. Right? Yeah. So we don't we're not like a Wells Fargo where we have our set of rules. To, this is it. Right, because it's they're only selling Wells Fargo money. Yeah, they're typically. On, they're right. only using their own product and selling directly to Fannie Freddie. That's right. it usually. Maybe Jenny. Okay. Um, and then you have brokers that are sending to all the different banks out there, um, but literally the middleman. There's a, it's very hard for me to have a, a value proposition when you're not in control of the process. Right. So there's not much skin in the game. As and far then as... we're kind of in the middle, which is we we actually have our own funding capacity. We underwrite on behalf of FHA, VA, and conventional. Fannie Freddie, okay. but what we do is we shop all the different buyers at the end. At the end of the right, the, so you can still you still get the benefit. Like the mortgage brokers always say, you get the benefit because we can shop different rates. But you guys are still giving that same benefit based on the end. Correct. Buyer. So you just put it into this slot. But we're underwriting, we're closing, we're funding from start to finish. So as a buyer, there's a little bit more security in that, knowing yeah. that. So we have more risk because we're also funding the loan. Yeah, but you're you're putting your name to that loan. Exactly. Literally. Okay. That's that makes a, that's a huge and that's what that's we a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. And so, like down payment assistance, we didn't talk much about that. We're a big down payment assistance lender, mm. and um, we've pulled a couple of the products. Um, and one of the reasons is they're they're higher risk. Uh, we love to help first time home buyers and even second time home buyers, but right now with all the uncertainty in the market, um, some of those end investors where there's only one buyer that will buy that particular program we may not be confident about their ability to buy it once we close it or because they're not strong or number two some of the warehouse lenders that are giving banks like us warehouse capacity Mm -hmm. to fund loans are saying we don't want to fund any of this and so they're getting rid of any assistance programs okay so okay so like so the first half of this has kind of been really kind of deep into the yeah, yeah. The, what the industry people love. Like, this is the stuff I love. Like, ah, you know, it's like, yeah. I really want to kind of get to know it's Cause if, if you look at the, what was the movie? The, did you ever see the movie about the mortgage crisis? Oh yeah. Uh, I, it's on my Netflix thing to, to watch. Uh, the big short. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Big short. It's a good one. Yeah, because the, the whole thing with the mortgage crisis was that they packaged all these giant loans, sold them to the secondary market, and then Lehman Brothers or somebody came in and bought them. And, then, and the yeah. loans were all kind of... And the company that was guaranteeing it or insuring it, they didn't have the money to cover it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's it's just, it was crazy. And they that's why the housing crisis in 2008 was really bad because it was based on just bad loans. Uh, today, we're just based on a slow economy. So if yeah. we don't think... Pri- we're actually... NAR thinks prices are going to go up. I'm very we're going to see a short-term drop. And when we say drop, maybe stall, where prices aren't escalating. But if we if the economy doesn't get ramped up quickly, we're going to see a less supply. So the people that still are have essential jobs who are still getting paid are going to have less that can afford a house right now are going to have less to choose from. And so there's going to be five people fighting for one house. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be strong. Really so do. it's going to stabilize. So I'm I'm not concerned about the stability of the housing market from valuation. I'm a little concerned about the number of closings and transactions happening as an agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, I think, and, and so. I think what's happening on the lending side is lenders are just pulling back quicker than they did in 2008 because the guys like us that made it through that crisis mm-hmm. don't want it to happen again. Right. So, and so it's guys, kind of a knee-jerk reaction. And you guys can kind of control what happens with, right. to some, some extent just to, to say – but I, I am looking, I do think, and I'm optimistic, there's going to be a very quick recovery. Um, a lot yeah. of people said a V, you know, we're, we've, we've, we hit the bottom and we go straight back up. Maybe not quite that, but, um, you know, the president of our company, I had a conversation with him today just to recap a few of the things that we were going to talk about and has anything changed and what do you expect? And he's like, I think that it's going to be maybe, I think everything we were lending on, prior to this all happening is going to come back, but it could be a one-year recovery. But locally, I think we're kind of in a, I wouldn't say bubble, but lack of better words, we have all the growth, the Exxons, the ports, everyone coming in our area. It's going to be, I think, I'm very optimistic it's going to be good. Good. Well, tell you what, let's let's kind of wrap up this discussion on the on the big stuff, uh, and then maybe we can come back in a, in a few minutes, start a, a second episode where we kind of talk more local and as a buyer put it into their scenario of what our customers want to know, what do they need to know, mm-hmm. kind of more simple terms, because I think this is the, the fun, nerdy stuff for the industry people. Yeah, yeah. And then let's, if you had a customer coming to your office, what would you tell them? So so uh, uh, real quick, last statement on the recovery thing. I think you're right. The, the initial thing was is going to be a V. We're going to drop quickly, spike quickly, go back up. Typical recovery is it drops, and then it comes up like a, like a bathtub. It's called the bathtub recovery, where it slopes up, gradually at the end i think we're going to be you where it's going to bottom out that's, yeah that's stay bottom for a while and then shoot straight back up uh so it, or maybe even be a w I don't know. <laughs> if this <laughs> thing gets not. back in the fall so well jason thanks for coming in to have that discussion on on the kind of the the ins and outs of the the market uh, we'll come back in a little bit and do one on uh what our customers need to do and kind of give the yeah the, for sure thanks stuff, for so. having me and uh just keep keep a communication with your lenders, and uh, the bottom line is there's still loans being written today. So, yeah, uh, and make your payments, make your rents. Things are <laughs> going to be okay if people continue to do that. That's what's going to stabilize the housing market is people doing what they're supposed to do. So keep your promises, people. All right, have a good one. Thanks.